1: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al McEwan.
1: What do you know? It's Wednesday, everybody. Thank you for joining me on this day in the middle of the week where we've got daytime baseball. we got a big night slate. we got a lot going on. Uh, I'm your host, Al Melkier. Thank you for joining me here for the Fantasy Baseball Hour. Uh, speaking of tonight's slate, uh, we're going to have Drew Dinkmeyer back on the show. Hasn't been on here in a few weeks, but it'll be good to have Drew back on to talk about tonight's slate for DFS purposes. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of news in the latest news um, latest trade rumors that I'll uh, get you up to date on and uh, as I mentioned some day games so we'll check in on the games in progress see if uh, Jordan Zimmerman has continued his uh, fine stretch of pitching and uh, look back at last night's games which were were wacky in a lot of ways we had some very weird uh, situations with closers Um, we had I guess not so wacky, but uh, Steve Biscotti staying hot. Uh, A whole bunch of interesting stuff going on. Some pitchers I was really interested in tracking. Jeremy Helkson, would he rebound? Sal Romano, would he build on some recent success? We had the uh, Major League debut of Ennio De Los Santos, which uh, I was remiss not to bring up on yesterday's show, but I won't uh, miss him today. So there's really a lot to get to here. Uh, So I will, in fact, get to it. And uh, last night, one of the uh, pitching performances that I was watching closely was that of Garrett Richards. I streamed him into my daily lineup for the first time all season. Picked a bad time to do that. Uh, he exited early, did not pitch particularly well, and he's been diagnosed with, a right, for, with right forearm irritation and is scheduled for an MRI today, uh, according to the Orange County Register. So that does not sound too terrific uh, for Garrett Richards. Uh, we got some Mets rotation news, some good news. Noah Syndergaard is expected to start this Friday against the Nationals. Uh, he is expected to throw a bullpen session today. So a little bit contingent on that, of course. Uh, got to make sure that he gets through that okay as long as he does. According to Newsday, Syndergaard will be the Mets starter on Friday. Uh, also from Newsday, the Mets are still deciding whether or not uh, to give Jason Vargas another rehab start. He may need to stretch out more. So uh, we may not be seeing uh, exactly an imminent return for uh, Jason Vargas. Uh, Chris Bryant flew out uh, to San Francisco to join the Cubs, and uh, he will be in the starting lineup for them today. So we'll see his return, uh, which is good news. And uh, Vince Velasquez activated, so he will start for the Phillies uh, as expected. Um get to well, actually I'm sorry one, one more uh injury item and then we'll get to the the trade rumor stuff uh Tommy Pham did not play at all in Tuesday's game against the White Sox he's dealing with an ankle contusion so uh we'll have to check in and see what his status is uh for tonight's game uh at guaranteed rate field so yeah uh the uh the trade rumor uh, mill is uh heating up. And uh, one of the things that I saw not too long before going on air here from uh, John Morosi of MLB Network is that the Brewers and the Twins have been uh, making some uh, trade talks. And right now, according to Morosi, the Brewers are focused on Eduardo Escobar and Brian Dozier, not so much on Lance Lynn, who uh, was pitching today. I believe he's already out of that game. Uh, we'll check check in on that in a little bit. But apparently. Uh, Brewers, uh, more interested in fortifying their outfield or their infield, uh, so maybe they don't view Brad Miller and uh, Tyler Saladino as long-term solutions. That would not be too shocking, uh, but uh, that's all I've uh, seen in ter- of terms of those discussions so far. We, of course, it wouldn't be a fancy baseball hour show without a Manny Machado update, and. Um, The Red Sox are the latest team to be uh, reportedly in contact with the Orioles. And not only have they made contact with the Orioles front office about a Machado deal, but they also sent a scout to the Orioles game on Tuesday, according to the Baltimore Sun. Uh, Getting back to some uh, on the field stuff here. Josh Donaldson resumed baseball activities yesterday, according to Sportsnet. So some good news there. Ian Kennedy, who just came off the DL to make a start for the Royals yesterday, had to leave that start early with uh, a re-emergence of tightness in his left side, which is what had him on the DL in the first place. And then today, earlier today, Wednesday, Royals put Kennedy right back on the DL again, basically reversing yesterday's transactions. Kennedy back to the DL. Jason Adam back up from AAA Omaha. Uh, He got sent down to make room for Kennedy in the first place. Uh, The Minnesota Twins have put Addison Reed on the disabled list. That move came earlier on Wednesday with uh, tight triceps. And it's Reed's first ever trip to the DL. Uh, He's had a mostly down year, ups and downs, but I'd say more downs than ups for for Addison Reed. Kind of pitched his way out of those high leverage situations for the Twins and uh, now shelved on the DL. Uh, and some other closer news, uh, this is pretty much just confirming what seemed pretty obvious that with Sean Doolittle placed on the DL yesterday by the Nationals, uh, Kelvin Herrera going to assume the closer role in Doolittle's absence. Uh, that report first coming out from uh, Masson. But also development and a really good piece uh, from The Washington Post about Doolittle because uh this seemed to be a, a little bit unexpected, and there's lots of situations where a player says or the team says that uh, a player's not seriously hurt, their day-to-day could you know could be available the same day or the next day. That was the old with Sean Doolittle. We see a lot of situations where the team says that initially, and then a day or two later, or maybe even three or four days later, they wind up on the DL. So that's what happened with Sean Doolittle, but it's not actually the initial problem that has put Doolittle on the DL. He had a, uh, a a toe strain, and it turns out that it's more than just that because he was feeling uh, more and more pain in his toes, and it turns out that Doolittle's got a pinched nerve. So that's why there's the DL move. Puts a little more context there. It makes a little bit more sense that he goes from, Uh, Yeah, he's got this toe issue, but he might be able to pitch today anyway to two days later being put on the DL. Uh, So that report from Washington Post. And again, if you have time to check that out, it's a a really good piece. Uh, Yesterday was just a weird day for relievers in general. Uh, So you had this unexpected move with Doolittle. But then you had Cody Allen coming in to just sew up a, a win for the Indians where. Trevor Bauer had just completely dominated the Reds. Uh, And and it turned out, despite uh, what looked like it was going to be a a blowout in the first couple of innings, Sal Romano recovered and actually pitched a really nice game, pitched into the eighth inning, kept it something of a competitive game to the point where Terry Francona went for his closer, uh, Cody Allen, in the ninth inning, and it just all fell apart. Uh, But, uh, you know, Allen did not have a good game. And the thing is that Cody Allen has had his inconsistencies both this year and throughout his career. And the Indians bullpen has just been dreadful. And that's, by the way, is something I plan to bring up with Drew Dinkmeyer when he uh, joins us in just a little while here. But um, (laughs) so Allen made enough of a mess of uh, this save opportunity against the Reds that Francona had to uh, go to the bullpen again uh, to get Joey Votto out uh, because Votto potentially could could be driving in the winning runs here. And so he called for his lefty. (laughs) Makes sense, right? With uh, Joey Votto coming up, he called for Oliver Perez. But um, the bullpen coach, Carl Willis, thought he heard instead of O.P., O.T., the first two letters Dan Otero's last name, and apparently that's his nickname, and they they call Alvarez Op. So they brought in Ot instead of Op, and Otero the the righty faces Vado the lefty, and uh, Vado cleared the bases with the double, <laughs> and uh, and so Otero blows the save. Uh, Cody Allen gets a loss. It's just a just a weird ending to a weird ninth uh, ninth inning for the uh, for the Indians. So yeah, the Reds actually pulled that one out was a a crazy game. And then you had a situation uh, with Blake Trinan uh, where, you know, he's just been pretty much automatic lately and, uh, you know, was called into a situation where, again, you know, got off to a a bit of a rocky start. And this was actually now in in extras uh, against the the Houston Astros in Houston. And, you know, uncharacteristically, uh, Trinan comes in, And starts off uh, by walking Josh Reddick. And then he gives up a Kyle Tucker Tucker single. And then Tucker subsequently scores. But still a tie game. And then Alex Bregman just hits this little number that travels like five or six feet. And somehow he avoids the tag of Jonathan Lucroy. And then Lucroy throws the ball away to first base. Or just past first base. And uh, the Astros win this one. So he had just a couple of really improbable... Uh, come from behind victories. They're involving a couple closers that have just been automatic lately. So just an odd, odd uh, night in Closerville. (laughs) But, uh, you know, no worries. uh, Certainly about uh, Blake Trinan and um, Cody Allen, too. I I, I worry about him a little bit more again just because, uh, first of all, he's got really no help in that bullpen there. Uh, And just because he has had a a history of a little bit more inconsistency. So uh, I'm not particularly worried about either one. Uh, I'm keeping Allen in uh, the lineups where, uh, you know, where I've got him, including one league with a a daily lineup, uh, daily lineup change. So uh, nothing too much to worry about, worry about uh, with those guys. But let's uh, check in with uh, the games that are going on. And actually a couple of games that have already finished. Uh, Tigers lost to the Rays four to two, and this was a Jordan Zimmerman start that was definitely not on the par of his recent starts. Because by now, you certainly realize Jordan Zimmerman's been like the good Jordan Zimmerman of old with the Nationals last several starts. Uh, this one he gave up 11 hits. Overall, the role th- results were other than that not too terrible. He did go six and two thirds, gave up four runs. 5Ks, one walk, uh, but again, not uh, his best start uh, of late. And then uh, the, the Rays going with yet another opener, Hunter Wood. And uh, he tossed a scoreless inning, but it was really Matt Andres and y- Ryan Yarbrough that did the heavy lifting in that one. And then uh, Sergio Roma, who's lately just been piling up saves, uh, got his 11th save of the season. And that one for Tampa's Tampa Bay. So that's a uh, four to two final there. And we also have a final in Pittsburgh. Uh, nice pitchers duel there. But uh, Trevor Williams and the Pirates bullpen getting the better of Gio Gonzalez and the Nationals. Two nothing is the final there. Uh, Starling Mark with his 11th home run of the season. Uh, did get caught stealing for the fifth time this year. But uh, Trevor Williams, five scoreless innings. Uh, and then uh, just a nice job by, uh, the bullpen just in, uh, just in succession, uh, with the sixth, seventh, the eighth and ninth and guys coming in, Rich Rodriguez, Ed, uh, Edgar Santana, Kyle Crick. And then, uh, uh, then you had Felipe Vasquez come in who, by the way, I just fairly really ne- nearly called Javier Vasquez, Felipe Vasquez would make more sense if I actually, you know, called him Felipe Rivero instead of Javier Vasquez, uh, but he's been fantastic lately. There's another one, you know, sort of like Cody Allen, after some struggles earlier in the year, Vasquez has been lights out and he struck out the side in this one, and I think he did that recently too. It may maybe even back to back uh appearances where he struck out the side for, for a save. But you know, whether that I have that right or not, uh he has been fantastic lately, Felipe Vasquez. So Pitching like a real all-star and not just like the guy that they had to put on the all-star team because the Pirates didn't have anybody else. So uh, good performance there. And then we do have one game that's currently in progress, Twins and Royals. Uh, this one most definitely not a pitching duel. Uh, this is the uh, aforementioned Lance Lynn, who, by the way, is still in the game. So I stand corrected there. Thought he had been lifted. Uh, he has given up for Rudd's. Uh, And it is now in the top of the sixth. Uh, Three of those runs were earned, by the way. So one was unearned. uh, But he's given up a couple of homers. But it's 5-4 twins. Uh, So again, Lynn coming back out for the top of the sixth in that one. And uh, Birch Smith making a start for the Royals. He had been excellent in relief lately. He was not excellent in the rotation today. Uh, Lifted after three and a third innings. Four runs all earned on seven hits and a walk. Uh, with four strikeouts. So not a a great outing there for for Birch Smith, but um, like I said, had been fantastic in a uh, relief role, and I don't know if he's going to stick in this role because he basically is taking the spot of Jason Hamill. So I don't know if this is one and done or uh, if they'll go ahead and if Ned Yost will give him another shot. I certainly would actually hope that they would uh, because You know, it'll probably take him a while to adjust to a starting role. But uh, he had been very good in relief. And then we've got one game that is starting in about 20, 25 minutes. And that's the Cubs and the Giants. So, of course, we have uh, lineups for both of those. And you got Chase Darno leading off and playing third base. So no Pablo Sandoval. uh, But otherwise looking like a pretty normal Giants lineup. You got Steven Duggar again in there batting seventh and uh, playing center field. Alan Hansen. at uh, second base, uh, batting eighth. And for the Cubs, no. Uh, Wilson Contreras, Victor Caratini catching uh, and batting eighth. And um, this is, by the way, Mike Montgomery for the Cubs. And then for the Giants will be Johnny Cueto, his uh, second start coming back from the DL. Hopefully this one for him goes better than the last one. Anyway, time to head to break and when we come back it's going to be Drew Dickmeyer here talking about tonight's slate so don't go anywhere we'll be right here
0: did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network listen on the iHeartRadio app the TuneIn Radio app 843 6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source 24 hours a day.
1: Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Uh, we are just mere moments away from uh, bringing in Drew Dinkmeyer and chatting about uh, tonight's slate. Uh, before we do get to Drew and uh, talk about tonight's games, it's uh, time to remind you to get your season ticket to Fantasy Glory now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It's not just a draft kit. It's a full season package that takes you from draft day to championship week. And it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite uh, FNTSY sports radio experts, including Fantasy Hall of Famer Scott Engel, 2017 rankings accuracy champion Jake Seeley, and uh, of course, uh, from right here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour, high-stakes veteran Matt Modica. So just go to rotoexperts.com, use the code WINNER to get 10% off on the exclusive edge package and set aside a spot on the mantle for that 2018 championship trophy. All right. So uh, anyway, uh, while you're uh, pondering doing that, uh, it's time to welcome back to the show. First time in a few weeks from uh, dailyrodo.com, uh Drew Dinkmeyer. Drew, thank you so much for uh, making the time and uh, joining me here today. Of course. Thanks for having me, Al. Uh, Well, uh, I think it's pretty interesting slate tonight, and uh, you know, one of the things I think uh, you know that a lot of people, particularly cash games, are going to have to sort out is whether or not to go with uh, Jacob Degrom or go with Chris Sale. Uh, Do do you think there's a a clear uh, preference there for cash games?
0: I do. I think um, this is interesting because this week we've had a lot of high-priced pitchers going on different slates, and. For the most part, I haven't been super excited to deploy any of them. Um, last night I was okay with Verlander, uh, but tonight I like the Grom and Sale more than anyone we had this week. Uh, better than Kershaw against the Padres, better than Verlander or Cole against the Athletics. I think both these guys have really good matchups, but Sale really separates himself, and I think Sale separated himself from the rest of the league as a pitcher as his velocity has increased. Um, since June 8th, when his average fastball velocity bumped up like two to three miles per hour, where he's starting 97 to 98 now, he's gone 41 innings. He's allowed just five earned runs, and he struck out 66 batters while walking just nine. So he's been on a completely different playing field than everybody else. The matchup with Texas is very good. Most of their stronger uh, threats are from the left side, where sales can, can just utterly dominate lefties. Um, he's a minus 400 favorite, which is absurd. That's, that's one of the highest lines I've ever seen in baseball. Um, so I think Kersale is, is very clearly the, the guy tonight, but that's no knock on DeGrom. I think DeGrom's in a very good spot himself against the Phillies team that leads the league in strikeouts against right-handed pitching.
1: Wow. Yeah, but uh, it's, it's hard to top <laughs> that, uh, you know, that uh, profile for sale tonight. And uh, that was one thing I was going to follow up on uh, that you basically beat me to was, uh, you know, the, the matchup versus the Rangers and with Cologne going on the mound versus Velasquez. And I guess, you know, maybe he's something of a wild card uh, coming back off of a brief DL stint. But I would think that that pitcher to pitcher matchup for DeGrom is a little bit tougher.
0: It definitely is, and it's reflected in you know the you know Degrom's a minus one fifty favorite, um, so he's he's more than two times uh, less favored to get the win uh, than Chris Sale is. So definitely a better matchup for Sale in terms of being able to procure that win, um, and just a I think a slightly better matchup overall in terms of uh, the the skill set. I think the Rangers are an okay offense, but they can be vulnerable to left hand pitching. The Phillies are a little bit of, of a better offense. Um, but they also strike out a bunch, too. So I, I like DeGrom. I just, it's, if he was on any other slate, it would be DeGrom. It's just that he's, he's on the slate with Chris Sale, and Chris Sale's too dominant.
1: Well, I guess that that shuts Freddy Peralta out then, but, I mean, he's been spectacular since coming back up. He's got the Marlins, so that's obviously a favorable matchup. Uh, maybe in, in tournaments, uh, is there uh, maybe an incentive to go with Peralta instead of uh, DeGrom Sale or somebody else?
0: He certainly has the kind of strikeout upside that you'd like to attack in tournaments. I think there are some concerns that I have. The first being that the Marlins offense, while it's a decent matchup for run prevention, they do not strike out a ton, especially the lineups that they've been rolling out there of late with Martin Prado back. Because Prado just doesn't, doesn't ever strike out. Um, so it's not a great matchup for strikeouts. And then he's got a really unfavorable home plate umpire which for Peralta I think is a big deal because his biggest issues are command. So I don't love this spot for Freddy Peralta. Certainly if you're playing in a season-long league or anything like that, you're starting him because it's a a really good matchup on the whole. But for DFS purposes, I think he's a little bit overpriced. I think he's okay in tournaments, but I'd like Mike Fultonavich at a similar price a little bit more than I would Freddy Peralta tonight.
1: Uh, now, how does the weather play into that one? Because that looks like uh, the one game there in Atlanta where the weather could be a factor. I take it that you're you're not concerned about that.
0: We'll just have to see. I mean, it's one of those things. You get these pop up storms in the summer in Atlanta that uh, make the forecast really tough and uh, difficult, and something that you have to kind of watch up until game time. Um, certainly, if the the forecast is still shaky, then you know, probably you have no concerns of because he's pitching in controlled conditions in Miami. Whether they open the roof or close the roof, they have the ability to. But um, I think that will also keep the ownership on a guy like Fultonavich down considerably from Peralta. I don't think either guy will be high-owned, but I think Fultonavich will come in lower-owned than Peralta, and I think that makes him a more interesting tournament play as well.
1: All right, well, while we're talking about Fultonavich and and talking about the Braves who are hosting the the Blue Jays tonight and Blue Jays going with Sam Gaviglio, uh, I'm having a, a real difficult time at this point, knowing what to make of the park factor there at SunTrust, because last year uh, it was very favorable for left handed hitters. And, uh, you know, I made some decisions uh, in terms of my daily lineups, uh, you know, for, uh, you know, full season leagues on that basis. But this year it's really playing more as a neutral park for everybody. So how are you factoring that in uh, for you know both hitters and for pitchers uh, that are playing? Uh, you know, doing their work at uh, SunTrust Park this year?
0: Yeah, the new parks are difficult to gauge park factors on because really, uh, park factors don't really, they don't even really stabilize for a few years. So we're we're taking our best guesses. So what we do in those instances are we, we start at neutral, and then we let data, you know, slowly over time kind of work things around. Right now we have um, Atlanta playing as, dead, dead, even neutral for left-handed batters and slightly favorable to pitchers for right-handed batters, um, and a slightly, uh, slightly below average strikeout park for pitchers as well. But basically neutral, we have it really close to like dead, even neutral, um, a similar park to like, you know, Kansas city, um, is, is the type of park that we have it playing as. So, um, when it heats up there, in the summer months, you know, when you get it in the high 80s, low 90s, it'll play a little bit more favorable. But on the whole, it looks like a neutral park to us.
1: Yeah. And I have to wonder, too, you know, I had, uh, you know, Sarasan earlier this week, uh, he talked a great length about park factors and, and just how, you know, as you mentioned, you know, how long it takes them to sort of stabilize and how wonky they can be. And I have to wonder, too, that I know it rains a lot in Atlanta generally, but it seems like there's been a lot this year in particular that, and again, I have not done any sort of analysis or real comparison. This is just perception. But I have to wonder if the fact that we are in the earlier part of the summer and that maybe there's been a bit more precipitation. If that's uh, affected the the year to date park factor, and if it's going to play more like it did last year going forward, I don't. Yeah, I, we can only it, guess at that. It, it,
0: <laughs> yeah, it certainly could. What you would want to do there is just like look at average temperatures this year, and obviously, you know, we still haven't gone into August, which is really when the parks start to play much more offensive friendly uh, through the southeast and through you know, like Texas. That's when it really, really heats up. We're just starting to get there in July. So there's still plenty of time for some of these parks to get a little bit more offensive friendly as the season goes on.
1: Well, you know, while we're talking about, you know, weather and the impact that that can have, um, and I realize I'm, I'm kind of throwing this one out of left field, but it's, it's a question I've had that I've meant to research and haven't gotten around to it and just occurred to me. You may know the answer to this. Do fly ball pitchers typically perform worse in the hotter months? Uh you know, that they do, uh, you know, say early out in the season or maybe very late in the season. Uh, are you aware of any research on that?
0: Yeah, so in general, every, you know, every couple degrees up uh, in, temp- in average temperature, the ball travels further. So in general, fly ball pitchers are going to be more vulnerable in the summer months than they are early in the season. And that's something that we try to take advantage of often, not only with, you know, type of pitcher in terms of fly ball, ground ball, but um, also just overall quality of pitcher. Like early in the season, you can get away with much more frequently using pitchers that you would consider as below-average pitchers compared to the aces. And there's a couple reasons for it. The One is the lower-scoring environments overall that congests and brings kind of the bar down for the uh, higher-starting pitchers to to beat. And two, early in the season, the the ace-starting pitchers might not be fully stretched out to where they're going seven, eight, nine innings. Uh, And they can really add on value. So early in the season, we're often using some more of the weaker pitchers. Um, And then later in the season, you find a little bit more emphasis on the studs because the ability to miss a bat is so much more important when the the, the average value of each ball in play is increasing because of the weather. Um, So late in the season, you might see, like in the summer months, you might see pitchers uh, valued from us more favorably in dome conditions, like pitchers pitching in Tampa Bay or pitchers mm-hmm. pitching in Miami. Those might be better pitching parks uh, later in the season, whereas early in the season, those actually might be good hitting parks compared to the slate. Because if you know all the other games are in the East Coast or the Midwest, where the games are in the 40s and 50s, a dome is actually a much better hitting environment.
1: Uh, Really interesting. Well, a lot more to break down there than I uh, was even really thinking about when I was, uh, you know, considering that question. Uh, Well, well, somebody who, you know, has a very tough outdoor park to pitch in is Tyler Maley, and he's been very good lately. And, again, maybe uh, that'll change. He's not particularly ground ball friendly, uh, sort of neutral. But uh, really going back to the beginning of July, Maley's been very good at 2.04 ERA, a little bit more than a strikeout per inning. And uh, he's uh, going tonight. So um, any thoughts on, you know, how viable he could be? I would guess, you know, not in, in, you know, cash games, but, you know, going up against uh, the Indians and Carlos Carrasco,
0: uh, does he have a shot to return some value? He's a guy you really have to pick your spots with because he has really wide platoon splits, extremely wide platoon splits. So this year, for example, and this is a small sample, but it drags out and is consistent over his larger sample of, of his career. He has allowed a 266-weighted on-base average to right-handed bats and a 396-weighted on-base average to left-handed bats. Um, He allows a ton of hard contact to left-handed bats, and the Indians are loaded with left-handed bats. So this, in particular, is a very difficult matchup for him. And if you look back at his success of late, you know, he pitched well against uh, the Cubs lineup, who… You know, they're, they're without Chris Bryant at the time, but they can get left-handed, so that was a pretty good start. He pitched very well against Milwaukee without Christian Yelich, one of their better left-handed hitters. Uh, dominated all the righties there. Pitched well against Atlanta, who most of their good hitters are, are lefties, but he kind of did his damage by getting the righties out. Dominated Detroit, who's a right-hand heavy lineup. Beat the Royals, who doesn't have a lot of left-handed bats. This was when they didn't have Lucas Duda. Um, and then pitched well against Colorado, who, again, you know, Charlie Blackman, really the most imposing Left-handed bat there, so he's done well beating up mostly right-hand heavy lineups. I think Cleveland is is a particularly uh, big challenge for him given his struggles against left-handed bats.
1: Interesting, interesting. Uh, well, looking on the other side of that matchup with Carlos Carrasco, uh, you know I, I generally find him to be pretty safe, but we saw what happened last night with Trevor Bauer just absolutely dominating, but got. Uh, I guess you could say cheated out of the win uh, with the bullpen, letting him down. Uh, but the bullpen is terrible. Uh, and, I mean, it was an unusually bad performance for Cody Allen, who had been really good. But uh, should we avoid Carrasco and maybe even Bauer and, you know, pretty much anybody in the Indians rotation just because of the bullpen?
0: I wouldn't worry about the bullpen too much. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's really affecting maybe a run or two in terms of the earned runs and maybe the win percentage. So we're talking at the end of the day, like a fraction of a few points, and really the starting pitcher still gonna be be controlling much of their destiny. Like Bauer still had one of the you know the best pitching night uh, on the slate by far last night. I will say with Carrasco, though, the thing that has been frustrating with him this season is just the overall inconsistency um, in his in his starts. It seems like he goes out there and some starts he's super dominant, and then other starts he's you know giving up a lot of hard contact and kind of getting knocked around. And I know he had that DL stint, and he hasn't pitched exceptionally well since coming back from that. So I think the good news with Carrasco from a DFS perspective is the price is coming down um, to at least compensate for some of that variability and and volatility. Um, But the bad news is that you have gotten more of that volatility than we have in the past with Carlos Carrasco. So the, the thing that I'm looking forward to is hopefully you get like this. You know, mid 9Ks price tag when he starts getting to face some of the bottom half of their own division. When you face the Royals, when you face the Tigers, uh, those really friendly matchups. I think tonight with Cincinnati is kind of a slightly below average or neutral matchup with Cincinnati's offense. Um, he's OK as a tournament play because he's underpriced. Um, he's kind of in that uh Peralta group for me, um, but he's not someone I'm super excited to play tonight.
1: All right. Well, uh, let's move on to the hitters. And, uh, you know, there's certainly some some uh, nice matchups. Uh, You know, I think the Red Sox versus Bartolo Colon would maybe be a a good one to pick on. But, uh, you know, you've got a game at Coors Field uh, that, you know, first of all, features Shelby Miller, who just has not been good uh, since coming back. And then you got Herman Marquez, who's fantastic on the road, but just awful at home. Uh, so, uh, which one of these lineups, Diamondbacks or Rockies, do you think actually provides a better, uh, pool of hitters maybe to build the stack from?
0: We have the Rockies grading out as a little bit more favorable than the Diamondbacks tonight. And part of that is because they have a higher implied total. They have an implied run total of six. The Diamondbacks are closer to five and a half. Uh, the Red Sox are kind of in between those two. I think those three teams are clearly the best teams to try to build offenses from, the challenge tonight is obviously that all, all of those teams, most of their best bats are very, very expensive. There are pockets on Colorado that you can get exposure to, like Carlos Gonzalez is relatively affordable on both sites. Um, we'll see ultimately you know, if Tony Walters as a catcher is, is in the lineup for Colorado. There's like areas that you can get um, some cheaper exposure to them, but we have Colorado grading up slightly better than Arizona right now, both on an overall basis and on a value basis. The challenge tonight is obviously trying to fit in any of these offenses if you're playing Chris Sale, because Chris Sale is going to take up a big part of the salary uh, bucket for you. So it's a it's a good slate because of that. There's really high end offenses and there's really high end pitching. So all
1: right, if you were determined to build uh, an offense around your your Rocky sitters and you couldn't go with Sale, who's the one pitcher then that you would most want to target?
0: So I think it's a little bit site dependent and a little bit based on price because ultimately if you're trying to build around one of these top offenses, you need a salary relief pitcher. Um, If it's on DraftKings and you're not playing sale, then you get two pitchers. You can take kind of two mid-tier pitchers to create that salary relief. So the guy in DraftKings for me would probably be Kensa Maeda, who's at 9,300 and facing the Padres in San Diego, a team that strikes out a bunch. He's got a favorable home plate umpire in that game as well. If it was on FanDuel, I think it would be Luke Weaver, was only 6,600, and I know all of us in the fantasy baseball community have been really disappointed. We thought this was going to be a breakout season for Luke Weaver, and it just hasn't happened. He hasn't really been able to be effective the third time through. But this White Sox lineup, especially without Alvisel Garcia, is just one of the weaker lineups in all of baseball, and there's not a lot to threaten him from the left side, which is where Weaver struggles more. He struggles getting lefties out compared to righties. And at 6,600, you can build really big offenses alongside him on FanDuel.
1: All right. Really interesting stuff there. So I wouldn't have thought of Weaver, but it makes a lot of sense. Well, Drew, thank you so much for joining us. Folks, you should check Drew out on Twitter, at Drew Dinkmeyer. Drew, thanks. Looking forward to having you back on the show. Thanks, so. All right. Have a good one. And, folks, uh, we'll be right back with much, much more after this break.
0: Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand?
1: back everybody this is the fantasy baseball hour i'm your host al melfior and uh thanks again to drew dinkmeyer from dailybroto.com for uh hopping on the last segment and giving us uh, as always uh some fantastic dfs advice uh before we get on to uh, looking at some lineups, uh, we've already talked about the weather with Drew, but uh, look at some lineups, look at a whole bunch of performances from uh, Tuesday's games. Uh, just a reminder that you need to listen to Game Time Decisions with Gabe Morency and Cam Stewart from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Eastern today. It's Eastern time today, right after this show as they will be playing the DKMS Trivia Challenge. All you have to do is to get four baseball trivia questions correct, and you'll win two tickets to a 2018 World Series game. Uh, The contest is sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in the fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. And while 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their own families, 70% or nearly 14,000 people each year must rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. Find out how you can help the cause. Go to dailyroto.com/dkms. That's dailyroto.com. Uh, slash DKMS. Uh, if you are listening to yesterday's show, you may remember I mentioned that I thought that we might be playing today. Uh, so we're not going to be playing here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour uh, today. Uh, but be sure to tune into Game Time Decisions to play. Uh, we'll be playing here possibly next week. So okay. stay tuned. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the number to play is 844-843-6879. That's 844 844- 843-FNTSY. It's the DKMS Trivia Challenge on Game Time Decisions. Again, that's between 4 and 7 Eastern today. Call in and win. All right. Uh, if you want to win uh, in terms of uh, doing well tonight in your daily lineup league, would help to know who's uh, starting and who's sitting. So let's take a look at uh, some of the lineups that are out. Uh, we do have an Orioles lineup. Uh, no Yankees lineup yet, though. That's going to be Sonny Gray and Dylan Bundy but nothing notable in the Orioles lineup. So we will move on. Uh, Reds and Indians, uh, we discussed this matchup uh, I did with uh, Drew Dickmeyer last segment. So it's Tyler Maley and uh, Carlos Carrasco. So don't start Maley. I think actually I need to go to my daily, uh, <laughs> daily lineup league and, and maybe fix that. Um, anyhow, so you've got uh, the DH again for the Reds, uh, and you do have all four outfielders in there for this one. So Jesse Winker, DHing. Uh, You got Shubler leading off. Duvall and Hamilton batting eighth and ninth. Nothing too unusual in the Indians lineup. Also nothing too unusual in the Marlins lineup uh, against the Brewers. That's Freddie Peralta and Dan Straley. We do not have a Brewers lineup yet. We've got Phillies and Mets. Uh, Vince Velasquez and Jacob deGrom. Uh, there is no Brandon Nimmo in the Mets lineup and no Asdrubal Drupal Cabrera, um, who has been uh, dealing with uh, a hyperextended left elbow. So perhaps that's the uh, the reason there for his absence uh, in the Mets lineup. So uh, you have uh, Wilmer Flores at second, Jose Reyes at third and Matt Dendecker in center field blast from the past there uh, and batting sixth for your New York Metropolitans. Uh, Moving on, we've got Rangers and Red Sox, Cologne and Sale, and I don't see... Well, let's see. We've got um, Ryan Rua at first base and Joey Gallo in left field for that one. Gallo batting eighth, Rua batting ninth against Chris Sale. And uh, for the Boston Red Sox don't see anything there uh, too notable, so we will uh, m- well, let's see uh, yeah, I think we can move on from that one we have uh, Blue Jays and Braves, and again, that's the one game where weather might be a factor, but didn't sound like Drew was too worried about that one uh, Sam gavilio and Mike Fulton-Nevich, excellent matchup of pitcher names and uh, we got Lourdes Goriel getting another start, this time at second base so no Devin Travis for the Blue Jays. Gurriel batting sixth. And uh, let's see, for the Braves, nothing to note there. And we have no lineups yet for any of the games in uh, Central Mountain or uh, Pacific time zone. So you'll have to check back for those. Uh, but let's check back to Tuesday's games and uh, a whole lot of Uh, notable hitting performances. Uh, We'll certainly start with the two homer performances. That's just how it works here. Uh, Alex Bregman hitting his 18th and 19th home runs of the season against the A's last night. And not a whole lot to say about Bregman that I haven't said over the last couple of weeks. Uh, He's just really broken out and uh, being the uh, kind of uh, early-round Producer that most owners were expecting this year. Uh, also in that same game, Stephen Piscotty hitting his 11th home run of the season, uh, and he has now hit a home run in four consecutive games. Uh, Matt Medica and I talked a little bit about Piscotty on Tuesday's show. Uh, Manny Machado, who I've talked about on Tuesday's show, Monday's show, last Friday's show, and, and on and on, because of all the trade rumors, uh, he's now also making the show based on performance. He went three for four against the Yankees, hitting his 22nd and 23rd homers of the season. Uh, Ruggedo Odor with a two-hit game and hitting just his sixth homer of the year against the Red Sox. But uh, maybe you can use the not-so-impressive season to date stats for Odor to your advantage if you're looking to buy because he's been quite productive uh over his last 25 games batting 286 and this is the the part of the um the slash line that's the the real eye opener for me a 389 on base percentage also slugging 505 um he's homered 5 times over that 25 game stretch and he's stolen four bases so i mean this is maybe the the best it's been for Odor, uh, in that you're getting the home run power, you're getting the steals, you're getting a nice batting average again. I'm not sure I trust it because it's he's still striking out quite a bit, um, but the uh, plate discipline plate discipline excuse me has improved immensely over this stretch. Prior to the beginning of this 25 game stretch. Odor was swinging at 38% of the pitches that were not in the strike zone, which is exceedingly high. Uh, And also not terribly surprising because Odor has never been particularly selective. He's never walked a lot. Uh, That's why that 389 on-base percentage over this uh, stretch is very surprising in a good way. Uh, So during that stretch, he's not been super selective, but he's been, I think you could fairly say, average in terms of plate discipline. Uh, swinging at only 31% of the pitches outside of the strike zone. So that's a big improvement and will certainly be uh, a literal game changer for Rugnet Odor if he can maintain that for uh, for an even longer period. So really good to see there. And if you have an opportunity to trade for Odor or maybe even in a, in a pretty shallow league where Odor just might be on waivers, uh, now would be the time to try to do something. About that, because if he continues like this for much longer, uh, you almost certainly won't be able to get him off waivers or get him in a trade for any kind of uh, bargain price. Uh, Daniel Murphy, maybe he's starting to improve his stock a little bit. Uh, he went four for four yesterday for the Nationals, uh, including a pair of doubles. So he's now up to four doubles on the season. Uh, and that brought his batting average up to 250. He was below the Mendoza line. Just two games ago, but so far in the first two games of the National Series against the Pirates, Murphy has six hits and eight at-bats. So, obviously, teeny tiny sample doesn't mean probably anything uh, in isolation. But, uh, you know, could maybe be the start of uh, Daniel Murphy looking more like Daniel Murphy. And uh, Derek Dietrich with a couple more hits yesterday for the Marlins against the Brewers, uh, including his 17th homer of the season, uh, or I'm sorry, uh, no homer, 17th double of the season for Derek Dietrich. And I, I really wanted to make a point. I mean, if Dietrich had gone over four, I probably would have brought him up anyway because I did see a report yesterday uh, that teams are looking uh, to Dietrich. I mean, he would be. He's having a, a nice season. Uh, hitting 290, getting on base at a 353 clip, and the Marlins are obviously going to be sellers. So, uh, some teams are looking to target Dietrich, who could be a, a nice and probably relatively affordable um, solution to any number of positions, uh, because he's you know he could, he's playing the outfield, but you know can probably still play a little you know second or, or, or third base. Uh, and the miners who's actually a shortstop. I don't know that he's played short in a long, long time, but. Uh, you know, a, a pretty good bat and, and a better bat than his stats with the Marlins would seem to indicate. He's been, as you might expect, a lot better uh, over his career, which has been to this point in the major leagues completely with the Marlins. Been much better on the road. He has hit 55 home runs in his career. Derek Dietrich, 33 of those three out of every five has been away from Marlins Park. He has hit 239 over his career at Marlins Park, 275 on the road. He has uh, now a total of 89 doubles, including the one that he hit on Tuesday over his career. 51 of those are on the road. You're getting the picture. He's a much better hitter on the road. So you get him out of Marlins Park, you get him into a better Hitting environment, and most of the stadiums in the major leagues are better Better hitting environments. Uh, Dietrich could be pretty valuable in fantasy if he gets regular play. So that's you know, just pointing that out. That's actually to me much more interesting than the fact that he got two hits against the Brewers last night. Uh, and Michael Franco also with two hits, but one of those was his 12th home run of the year. Uh, that was against the Mets. And now Franco has hit two homers in his last three games, but he's just been red hot for the month of July. So far, he's 11 for 26. That's a 423 batting average. So uh, if you need a, a hot hand uh, in the corner infield, uh, Michael Franco might uh, might fit the bill for you. And also, Adal- Adalberto Mondesi, when he first got called up for the Royals, I remember talking on the show here about how Ned Yost said he was going to use him about three days a week. And I thought, well, okay, in deep leagues, that means maybe he you know, picks up a steal here and there. But it didn't take Mondesi too long to work his way into regular play. And initially, still wasn't doing that much at the plate. That has started to change. Uh, first of all, he went two for four with both a homer and a stolen base against the Twins on Tuesday. He's up to two homers and five steals. And again, remember, this is a very limited playing time overall. Uh, but in his last 11 games, Mondesi is 11 for 40 for a 275 batting average. So even though his overall average is in the low 200s, he's bringing it up. And uh, in those 11 games, he has homered twice and stolen three bases. So I think Mondesi's appeal now is going just beyond ale only leagues and very deep mixed leagues. Uh, I am using him in a couple of 15 team mixed leagues and. Uh, I had been benching him initially, but he's in my lineup right now in both of those leagues, and figure he'll probably stay there for as long as uh, as long as this lasts. So uh, we have some pitching performances to get to, probably pretty quickly as uh, we're down to about our last five minutes here., uh, but just uh, a reminder that if you enjoy playing daily fantasy sports, but you're sick of dealing with professionals, using algorithms to select hundreds of lineups and entries. Give the Props Builder tool at mybookie.ag a try. Forget about having to create uh, multiple lineups. Ditch the hassle of dealing with late scratches and avoid experts winning 90% of the money. Instead, invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can elect... An option to receive a 50% deposit bonus with a rollover requirement. So, no more dealing with late lineup scratches, no experts to compete against, just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter promo code FNTSY upon sign up, and choose your matchups using their props builder tool. That's mybookie.ag, promo code FNTSY. So, I've already talked about Trevor Bauer's great performance against the Reds, which unfortunately got wasted uh, by Cody Allen and uh, O.T., a.k.a. Dan Otero. Uh, But Bauer did uh, toss eight scoreless innings with 12 strikeouts. Uh, On the other side of that, and I mentioned this a little bit offhandedly earlier on in the show, Sal Romano putting together a a nice start. Not necessarily great for Roto, but a nice start. uh, points league start that he went seven and the third innings, just gave up three earned runs, did give up another run that was uh, unearned in the uh, second inning uh, on five hits and two walks, but just one strikeout. Uh, so sort of an odd performance to interpret from Romano, who recently had been getting more strikeouts and a lot more swings and misses. But again, this was by far, and I wrote about this uh, on Rotograph, so if you want to dig into this a little deeper, check out the two good starts, two bad starts column from Tuesday there. Uh, but Romano, in his previous starts, uh, faced teams that, frankly, were less selective and less good at making contact. And he faced an Indians team that's pretty good at uh, being selective and making con- excellent at making contact, actually. So not too shocking with just the one strike out there for, uh, for Sal Romano. Uh, Masahiro Tanaka made his return. He got the swings and misses, 12 of them on just 80 pitches. Velocity was right back where it had been uh, before his DL stint, but the result's not very good. Uh, Four to third innings, three runs against the Orioles, six hits, two walks, but he did get five strikeouts. So some good and some bad there in the return for Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, We had a, a good pitcher's duel with Jeremy Helkson and Joe Musgrove. Musgrove, nine Ks, two runs and five innings. Hullickson, um five scoreless innings, but only three Ks. And the, the odd thing there was that he didn't throw his curveball nearly much as, as he had in previous starts. And that's really been a secret to his uh, success earlier in the season. So, again, sort of like the Romano start, not sure what to make of that. Uh, Eric Lauer with a good start. Uh, one run uh, against the Dodgers over eight and two thirds with eight Ks. Tyler Anderson, uh, he continues to roll on one run in six innings with eight Ks against the Diamondbacks. And Ennio De Los Santos, uh, his Major League debut, a quality start, six in the third innings, three runs uh, on five hits and three walks with six strikeouts against the Mets. But immediately after the game, De Los Santos was sent back to Triple-A Lehigh Valley. But a good preview of maybe what we could see later. And uh, finally, Pablo Lopez with a a start that looks really bad. Gave up five runs in six innings. But uh, over the last four innings he pitched, third through six innings, no hits and no walks, and wound up with 13 swinging strikes and 20 called strikes. So some good with the bad there for uh, Pablo Lopez, uh, Marlins prospect, uh, who hasn't looked that, that grateful, particularly in his last couple starts overall, but some promising signs there against the Milwaukee Brewers. So uh, on that note, time to uh, take off for the rest of the day here. But we got some baseball to watch both today and tonight, and I'll be back here again tomorrow for Nando to Thursday. So hope to see you then. Have a great one, everybody.